I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. We got a text just now. 204-780-6868. What's that? Is it National Banana Day yet? So nah. I just quickly Googled Banana Day because I know we talked about this briefly. And we talked about the, you know, the fact that we... The proper way to open a banana, whatever. Our love affair with bananas. Let's be honest about and it. Today, uh, today is Banana Day. It's a bit like a heady mix of April Fool's Day and Halloween without the sweets or vandalism and with a helpful portion of healthy eating thrown in for good measure. The origins of Banana Day, this is according to daysoftheyear.com. Banana Day, which is aimed at celebrating bananas in every conceivable sense of the word, are murky. However, it's known that Murky. every year, students at many prestigious American universities use Banana Day as a way of celebrating this humble lunchbox standard. They eat and share weird and wonderful banana concoctions. They dress as bananas, and they generally go a bit well bananas. Anyway, there you go. I'm familiar with Banana Fest. That's all I can really say about that. If you're familiar with it, you probably know what I'm talking about. I actually do not. Okay, well, that's, uh, yeah. <clears throat> we can't talk about it on the air, apparently. Yeah, it's just meant for those. If you know what it is, you know what I'm talking about. And if not, well, maybe I'll send, just shoot me an email, brett at cjob.com. Well, what about, who were uh, some of your favorite child performers? Are you asking? You're yeah, asking, yeah, I'm asking you. Child performers. Sorry, I wasn't looking directly into your eyes. Well, no, no. Brett, can you tell no, me? No, it looked like you were going to play a clip. I am. I'm I'm there, but you know you know, YouTube, they have those commercials now, right? So so my favorite child, like, were the performers children or yes, who are some of my ch- favorite? Yes. The performers were children. Oh, no, no, no. Children, like performers for children. Oh. Uh, I guess like a, like a Fred Penner kind of person. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about Sharon Lewis and Bram? Do you remember this one? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Sharon Lewis and Bram. Apples and bananas. Apples and bananas. I should never sing. I don't actually remember this. They go through all the vowels of the alphabet and switch it so it's going to be eeples and bananas. Eeples and bananas. Wow. Yeah. There you go. So today is finally national or international banana day. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, Lois. Thank you, Bram. (laughs) Thanks for the text, by the way, 204-780-6868. Appreciate that. Uh, Getting the show off to a lighter start here, but that's not to downplay the fact that we do want to talk about something serious. Yesterday, for example, uh, we had an intense and serious hour of radio, Greg, with Charles Adler. Without question, and I just want to thank for everyone who sent uh, messages of support and, you know, you know who you are, you know what you said. I'm a little uncomfortable. I'm probably more comfortable sharing what I shared yesterday than sharing the feedback I've received. Just let me tell you that it's been overwhelming. I'm very grateful for the kind words I've received, but most thankful for those that have reached out and genuinely asked for help in the last 24 hours, people that have felt locked in people that are looking for support. And, um, I just want to commend those people. Their courage is why we had the discussion we did yesterday. And so thank you for everyone that stepped up and said, Hey, I need that phone number. I need that website. Can you please pass it along to me? And one group that we didn't mention yesterday that we really should have is mood disorders association of Manitoba. 
They have an outstanding resource online, mooddisordersmanitoba.ca. Their phone number, 786-0987. A variety of different mood disorders there, everything from anxiety to bipolar and uh, all sorts of things in between. We've had conversations with them about their peer support groups, lots of ways that you can get the support and the help that you need if you just need that nudge, just that one opportunity to speak up about what you're dealing with. We speak with the Moon Disorders Association of Manitoba once a month, every the first Tuesday of every month. And I think the what happened yesterday, the fact that we forgot to mention their phone number was we were a little I suppose we were not expecting the overwhelming response that we received and we started to give out some phone numbers just to make sure that because some people were getting some some text messages from people who were point blank saying I feel like ending my life and so Greg immediately started looking up phone numbers and I got a number emailed to me from a listener and we just sort of Forgot to mention it, the mood disorders. And we both thought after the show, we probably should have mentioned that phone number as well. So what's that number again, Greg? Do you have it in front of you? I do. I just have to click back on my screen here. The phone number is 204-786-0987. And their website, mooddisordersmanitoba.ca. Now, this got you thinking about lollipops. It did, it, and this is an inspiration from someone uh, that we have in common who called and said, yeah, I heard your, heard the replay last night on CJOB, and uh, this reminded me of a story about how when you share a little bit of yourself, the power of that, and when you're doing it, you don't necessarily realize the effect that you're having, the cascading ramifications of your actions. I haven't used that one for you for a while. (laughs) And it reminded me and reminded uh, this loyal listener of this TEDx talk. It's been rated one of the most inspirational TEDx talks of all time. And it all starts with a lollipop. See, I've asked that question all the way across the country, and everywhere I ask it, no matter where, there's always a huge portion of the audience that won't put up their hand. And I've come to realize that we have made leadership into something bigger than us. We made it into something beyond us. We made it about changing the world. And we've taken this title of leader, and we treat it as if it's something that one day we're going to deserve. But to give it to ourselves right now means a level of arrogance or cockiness that we're not comfortable with. And I worry sometimes that we spend so much time celebrating amazing things that hardly anybody can do that we've convinced ourselves that those are the only things we're celebrating. And we start to devalue the things that we can do every day. And we start to take moments where we truly are a leader and we don't let ourselves take credit for it and we don't let ourselves feel good about it. And I've been lucky enough over the last 10 years to work with some amazing people who have helped me redefine leadership in a way that I think has made me happier. And with my short time today, I just want to share with you the one story that is probably most responsible for that redefinition. I went to a school on a little school called Mount Allison University in Sackville, New Brunswick. And on my last day there, a girl came up to me and she said, I remember the first time that I met you. And then she told me a story that happened four years earlier. She said, on my day before I started university, I was in the hotel room with my mom and my dad. And I was so scared and so convinced that I couldn't do this, that I wasn't ready for university, that I just burst into tears. And my mom and my dad were amazing. They were like, look, we know you're scared, but let's just go tomorrow. Let's go to the first day. And if at any point you feel as if you can't do this, that's fine. Just tell us. We will take you home. We love you no matter what. 
And she says, so I went the next day and I was standing in line getting ready for registration and I looked around and I just knew I couldn't do it. I knew I wasn't ready. I knew I had to quit. And she says, I made that decision and as soon as I made it, there was this incredible feeling of peace that came over me. And I turned to my mom and my dad to tell them that we needed to go home. And just at that moment, you came out of the student union building wearing the stupidest hat I have ever seen in my life. It was awesome. And you had a big sign uh, promoting Shinerama, which is Students Fighting Cystic Fibrosis, a charity I've worked with for years. And you had a bucket full of lollipops. And you were walking along and you were handing the lollipops out to people in line and talking about Shinerama. And all of a sudden, you got to me and you just stopped and you stared. It was creepy. <laughs> this girl right here knows exactly what I'm talking about. And then you looked at the guy next to me and you smiled and you reached in your bucket, you pulled out a lollipop and you held it out to him. And you said, you need to give a lollipop to the beautiful woman standing next to you. And she said, I have never seen anyone get more embarrassed faster in my life. He turned beet red and he wouldn't even look at me. He just kind of held the lollipop out like this. And I felt so bad for this dude that I took the lollipop. And as soon as I did, you got this incredibly severe look on your face and you looked at my mom and my dad and you said, look at that, look at that. First day away from home and already she's taking candy from a stranger. And she said, everybody lost it. 20 feet in every direction, everyone started to howl. And I know this is cheesy, and I don't know why I'm telling you this. But in that moment when everyone was laughing, I knew that I shouldn't quit. I knew that I was where I was supposed to be, and I knew that I was home. And I haven't spoken to you once in the four years since that day, but I heard that you were leaving. And I had to come up and tell you that you've been an incredibly important person in my life, and I'm going to miss you. Good luck. And she walks away, and I'm flattened. And she gets about six feet away, she turns around and smiles and goes, you should probably know this too. I'm still dating that guy four years later. <laughs> a year and a half after I moved to Toronto, I got an invitation to their wedding. Here's the kicker, I don't remember that. I have no recollection of that moment and I've searched my memory banks because that is funny and I should remember doing it and I don't remember it. And that was such an eye-opening, transformative moment for me to think that the, maybe the biggest impact I'd ever had on anyone's life, a moment that had a, a woman walk up to a stranger four years later and say, you've been an incredibly important person in my life, was a moment that I didn't even remember. How many of you guys have a lollipop moment, a moment where someone said something or did something that you feel fundamentally made your life better? All right. How many of you have told that person they did it? See, why not? We celebrate birthdays where all you have to do is not die for 365 days. <laughs> And yet we let people who have made our lives better walk around without knowing it. And every single one of you, every single one of you has been the catalyst for a lollipop moment. You have made someone's life better by something that you said or that you did. And if you think you haven't, think about all the hands that didn't go back up when I asked that question. You're just one of the people who hasn't been told. But it is so scary to think of ourselves as that powerful. It can be frightening to think that we can matter that much to other people. Because as long as we make leadership something bigger than us, as long as we keep leadership something beyond us, as long as we make it about changing the world, we give ourselves an excuse not to expect it every day from ourselves and from each other. Marianne Williamson said, our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light and not our darkness that frightens us. And my call to action today is that we need to get over that. We need to get over our fear of how extraordinarily powerful we can be in each other's lives. We need to get over it so we can move beyond it. And our little brothers and our little sisters, and one day our kids, or our kids right now, can watch us start to value the impact we can have on each other's lives more than money and power and titles and influence. We need to redefine leadership as being about lollipop moments. How many of them we create, how many of them we acknowledge, how many of them we pay forward, and how many of them we say thank you for. 
Because we've made leadership about changing the world, and there is no world. There's only six billion understandings of it. And if you change one person's understanding of it, one person's understanding of what they're capable of, one person's understanding of how much people care about them, one person's understanding of how powerful an agent for change they can be in this world, you change the whole thing. And if we can change, understand leadership like that, I think if we can redefine leadership like that, I think we can change everything. And it's a simple idea but I don't think it's a small one. And I want to thank you all so much for letting me share it with you today. Have a great day at TED. I'll see you later. That is Drew Dudley's, now one of the most dynamic keynote speakers in the world. That was from seven years ago at a TEDx in Toronto. Drew now does something called This Is Your Day One. It's a leadership program. And the first question I left out purposefully there, because the question he asks is how many in the crowd think of themselves as a leader and very few people put their hands up. And I think the, the message here is that we're all leaders, whether we realize it or not, we lead with our actions and uh, such a enlightening and positive message that I wanted to share with you today. It is one seventeen on 680 CJOB. Your forecast is coming up next. Did I see a traffic note uh, lights out uh, Dugald Road at Highway 59? I think maybe when we sat down. Oh, yes, uh, that's right. The lights are out. Uh, that was at 107. That text message came in. Dugald Road and 59. Uh, thanks for reminding me of that and reminding us of that because that's uh, that would be a headache. That would definitely be a headache. And the only reason I remembered, Brett, is because after 1.30, we're going, to, <laughs> we're going to shift gears and talk about the traffic lights that make you wait far too long. Mm. The ones that drive you batty, so to speak. That is correct. And it, it was inspired by, uh, well, my own experience this morning at, an, at a particular intersection I had to deal with as a pedestrian. But... We've all got intersections, whether you're, it's as a pedestrian or as a driver, that make you really angry when you have to sit there and sit there and sit there and sit there some more. Do you hand out lollipops, Brett? No. No? It would be kind of creepy, wouldn't it? Just hand out random lollipops? I think in uh, Drew Dudley's speech there, he mentions the fact that uh, First Day at University says to the parents of the young woman that he's telling the story about, She's not even here an hour. She's already accepting candy from strangers. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I have. I can honestly say I have not handed out lollipops. But you walk to work most days, and when you're walking down Wellington Crescent or other places in the city, isn't? It, do you not get the hello or the good morning and the, or even just the polite nod that goes such a long way and kind of lifting your spirits and maybe the person you've passed or do you engage in that I casual to. banter back and forth? Yeah, I will. I'll always look at whoever is coming past me to see what they're, because a lot of times people just want to be left alone. And it, I do find you find that in the, I find in the morning and the evening, people are more likely to say good morning, good evening. But during the day, during the afternoon, no, there seems to be like, Oh, it's daytime. I'm more serious. But but in the evening, people maybe the morning and evening people are more relaxed. I don't know, but I will always at least look at them and see what they're if they're looking at not looking at me. I'll just leave them alone. Sure. If they're looking, I'll give them a nod, and sometimes I'll say good morning. A lot, especially if they have a dog, because I like to often we'll have to say hello to the dog because sometimes like I, today I walked by a pug who was trying to take us take a swipe at me. 
<laughs> really? So I looked down and said, oh, hello. <laughs> you so, know what they say about dogs? They have good intuition about uh, whether you're a good person or not. Most dogs like me. Most okay. Every so, so often was, I get one that, that doesn't. This is a grumpy pug, maybe. Well, and you see, here's the problem. I think it's it's partially because when I'm walking to work, I'm walking quickly, very quickly, and I'm a big guy. So I'm kind of imposing and, and I dare say, frightening to a little dog. Uh, maybe you're frightening to some human beings Probably. as well. Pro- that, honestly, Greg, it is a genuine concern I have when I go out for my walks, especially at night. If I'm walking anywhere behind anybody, especially a woman, if I'm com- it's 10 o'clock and I'm walking up Grosvenor or Cordon or whatever and there's a woman in front of me and then I come up behind her. Well, you've got a longer stride. Maybe you've got work walking with more purpose, et cetera, right? So you're going to pass them. Yes. So I try, if I can, I try to give them as wide a berth as possible. Sometimes I'll even go into the street and walk around parked cars, provided it's safe to do so. Or I'll just like make as much noise as I can in, really? a, in a not. So I like I'll cough or I'll kick the, <laughs> the gravel because I don't want to startle somebody. Yeah, no, I get exactly why you're doing it. It's interesting that we have that view of the effect that our presence may have of other people. And I don't know if that is a reflection of our own paranoia of being in a similar situation or just understanding the position because of your physical stature uh, that you may be having an effect that you might be having on, you know, a a woman who's smaller than you and who might be just out for a walk. That, that that fascinates me. Well, it's partly for my own, just trying to to be courteous and, and considerate of what other people might be feeling. But it's also partly in relation to a, a uh, Facebook post I saw, somebody said, if you are out for a run at night, especially if you're a guy, don't come right up beside me because it's scary. Because, they, you know, she thought she was about to be attacked. So that's one of the reasons why I try to, to be as courteous as I can because I don't want someone to think I'm about to jump them. And I guess, too, I don't want someone to turn around with a thing of mace. And, and hit me in the face. There's some self-preservation going on. I there. guess that's a there's a there's a whole bunch of things going on in my neurotic brain there, Greg. So, well, I think you're handing out lollipops and you don't even realize Maybe. it. Maybe look at you, Mister Sunshine. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Brett McGarry is actually Mister Sunshine without even being intentful on doing so. There are three greyhounds I see on on my walk. Yeah. Who at first were kind of I think scared, but I see them every day, and now they. They actually, you can see them perk up every time I walk past them. So the, the, the greyhounds are slowly warming up to me. You're making inroads, my friend. <laughs> one, one canine at a time, or in this case, three at a time. Yes. Good for you. See, you're making the world a better place. <laughs> one thirty is coming up. The global news at one thirty on six eighty CJOB. We're going to give away some uh, tickets later on this afternoon. You did like was it less than a second <laughs> yesterday of rats round and round yeah it was 0.07 seconds i'll just uh, i'll hear let me pull up the clip right now this was the clue to yesterday's prize <clears throat> and instantly we had the people a full are good. bank of people are good hair metal bands man and their fans they like they know that stuff instantaneously. You've got a good one today as well. Yes, and we're going to do that at 3.35, is it? Yeah, 3.35. So wait for your cue to call. What are we giving tickets away for? It's for D. Snyder. It's Snake Oil Gets Twisted featuring D. Snyder 
of Twisted Sister. It's a Love show it. happening Monday, June 26th at the Burton Cummings Theater. Snake Oil, if you're not familiar with them, they are the ultimate theatrical tribute to rock's biggest stars, and wouldn't you know it, they're getting one of those big stars, joining them, Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister. So tickets go on sale Friday, but we have Beat the Box Office tickets today, tomorrow, and another pair of tickets on Friday to give away as well. I think I came into possession of a pair of Harlem Globetrotters tickets Ooh. coming up on Sunday downtown at the MTS Center. I will uh, figure out how we're going to give those away, and we'll do that <laughs> a little bit later on in the afternoon. But you were, you don't complain a lot, but you, you complained today about the fact that you had to wait to cross Portage Avenue for an incredibly long time at one point. Was it yesterday or on your way to work today? It was today. I walked to work today, uh, trying to get back on that that walking horse and... When you get to Portage and Tilehurst, so if you're not familiar with where Tilehurst is, it's the street right by the where all the buses stop in Portage in front of Polo Park, by the A&W if you're looking for a landmark. So I am on the south side of Portage and I need to cross to the north side so I can walk through Polo Park and eventually get to our radio station. And I'm standing there for, I don't know, it felt like... I really need to pull out a stopwatch and time it because there are some days where I'm sure I'm standing there three, four, five minutes. Not the end of the world. But isn't there a, a button there? Oh yeah, free to press. It's but yeah, it's not a it's not like a pedestrian crosswalk where you hit the button, the lights blink, and you go. But there is a button that doesn't seem to do anything. <laughs> mm, it's a pacifier. So I'm wondering. And it's, again, it's not the end of the world. I'd be more concerned if I was getting off of one bus on the south side of Portage and needed to get across to the north side and had to transfer. Sure. How many people, I wonder, have watched their bus drive away because they're standing there forever? Now, this is only during, from what I can tell, during non-rush hour. Rush hour, it's never a problem. You get there, you stand there maybe a minute, two minutes, which I would which I think is acceptable that's for a busy street. That's got to be one of the busiest pedestrian crossings in the city. I'm sure it is. Right? It's got to be top 10. It, because there are, while I'm waiting for, during those what feel like four to five minutes, I might be the first one there. By the time I cross, there's always at least 10 people, sometimes 20 who have just gotten off a bus. They're going to the mall. They're going to the other bus stop across the street. So that just got me thinking about intersections that cause you consternation because you know you're going to have to sit there forever. Now, whether it's as a pedestrian or as a driver, I can think of a whole bunch right off the top of my head as a driver that annoy me. Maybe there are other spots that are really awkward to get across as a pedestrian as well. So The worst one as a driver, I can see it from where I'm sitting. Oh, It's at the intersection of Empress and Jack Blick. Okay. And just by the mall there. And it's confusing because there are kind of two uh, lanes of traffic sort of merging. Empress, that's where it splits. Yes. So if you're going to take the Empress overpass down towards Portage Avenue and come around, you go one way. And if you're going to continue south on Empress, either to go into Polo Park or to go on a Portage Avenue, you go a different way. And so there are kind of two different sets of lights. People are terrible at interpreting what the left turn light actually is. But inevitably, when I'm coming here on Sunday morning, if I'm lucky enough to be here early enough, I don't have to get the the red light at Eastway and whatever the other road is uh, by the Manitoba Blue Cross building. Yep. Because there's no traffic for days, for hours on a Sunday. <laughs> Should be blinking yellow. And if you're here early enough, 
I think it is always blinking yellow, but once it gets to about 9 o'clock, it's in a regular light cycle. But when I get here, and if you're a member of the Winnipeg Police Service, please plug your ears right now. (laughs) Every (laughs) once in a while, I can't wait any longer. So are you coming from, you're, you're going northbound then on Empress? Northbound on Empress. Okay, so then what, here's what, the way that I decided to solve that problem, because I used to go all the way up to the intersection to, to turn left into the lot. I, I don't go that far anymore. I turn in, I take that turn that goes into the mall parking lot. You're much quicker to, to do that, I think. Yeah, I don't like parking lots. People are morons in parking lots. But on a Sunday morning? Yeah, there's probably no, no one enough. there. No, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll try that on a Sunday morning. Let's give it a shot. That light is just horribly out of sync, out of place, unneeded. And I won't say that I have turned left on a red there, but I've thought about it many times. <laughs> many, done, many, many, many times. I've done it once. I've did it once. I have no problems. I have my fingers crossed. (laughs) I have done it once or twice myself. (laughs) So are there any intersections that just drive you a little bit batty, whether it's as a pedestrian or when you're driving your car where you go, come on, they've got to figure this out. How can it be this way? Day after day, week after week, year after year, where these lights just make no sense whatsoever. We've had Louis Escobar in here from the City Traffic Signals Engineering Department. I love Louis. He's a great guy, but I always want to ask these guys, do you actually drive a car? (laughs) Or do you teleport to work? Like, I want to know, are you actually driving the streets of Winnipeg? Because some of these light signal sequences are absolutely ludicrous. Yeah. Yeah, I feel better now. Bill has just texted at 204-780-6868. You can call 311 and complain about lights. They do a report, and it gets fixed. Bill. Here's another aspect of lights. Now, we've sort of been talking about lights that are too long. Maybe there's a light that's too short. Mm. If you sit there, you're sitting there, and this often involves turning lights. I can... the Tuxedo on Route 90? Oh, that's one. That that is one. But the one I'm thinking of that just came to me is if you are on Regent Avenue westbound and you're turning left into the giant complex with the superstore and the Walmart and there's Montana's, it'll let maybe one car through (laughs) or two cars. It turns green for a second. And then you got to sit there and wait for another I don't know how many minutes. Oh, you you're you're at our uh, Easter uh, dinner conversation right now. We were talking about that parking lot <laughs> on Sunday. I hate that parking lot. <laughs> like, do you, do you see me rubbing my temples oh, yeah. right now? I get stressed thinking about it. Normally, you know, Monday through Thursday, it's not too bad. <laughs> but Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like I love the Home Depot. And so I'll go to Home Depot. And of course, my kids are screaming in the back because they hate going to Home Depot. So that just adds to the stress of it all. Yeah. And then you go and you get what you're getting at Home Depot. And this past Saturday, when I went there, because everything was closed, Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Sunday. So I went there and I took the unprecedented maneuver of going in behind the superstore to kind of loop around. And I went all the way around, all the way in behind the superstore and the 
was it Petland yeah. and everything and went out on, there's a new fat burger. That's how I dis- discovered it. <laughs> I was wondering how you learned about that. <laughs> it's not open yet, by the way. Okay. <laughs> and then took the road that, you know, divides Kildonan Place from the Canadian Tire there. Yep. But that parking lot is the worst traffic nightmare in Winnipeg. It's not even close to Polo Park on a Saturday. It is the absolute worst. It's tough. I I remember. So I'm already in the lot. It's the, the four-way stop. So you've, you've now driven into this intersection and you get to that four-way stop where to your right is Superstore and Home Depot. To your left is Walmart. And I stopped my car stalled. Oh, you must have been very popular. <laughs> and then I couldn't start it. This was the mighty Taurus. I had a 1993 <laughs> Ford Taurus, and it had a problem with it. it would just stop, and then I could You didn't know if you would start. Every time I tried to start, the car was rolling the dice, and it took a few minutes. I was so stressed out. We're getting a lot of text messages at 204-780-6868, and we want your calls as well. 204-780-6868 is the number to call. Intersections that drive you batty, whether it's you have to wait too long at a red light, whether it's the turn light is too short, whether it's... As a pedestrian, you're trying to get across the street, like Portage and Tylerhurst, for example. You get off one bus, you need to get across the street so you can catch another bus, but the light takes four minutes or five minutes or whatever it is. 204-780-6868. Or maybe it's just a confusing intersection, like this one out here, Empress at Jack Blick, or, of course, Confusion Corner. You know, in Winnipeg, the philosophy is, hey, Confusion Corner, what's the big deal? We warned you. 204-780-6868. Your forecast is up next. Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling. We're talking about intersections that drive you nuts, inspired by what happened to me this morning as I walked to work, trying to get across Portage Avenue right in front of Polo Park, Portage and Tilehurst, and I waited there for three, four, I don't know, five minutes. Just It felt like a long time, and it is a long time. During rush hour, it's not a problem, but when I was at 10 o'clock, it is a bit slower. And, Greg, you were saying, well, isn't there a button there that you can push? David just emailed me and said, hey, Brett, here's the scoop. I am blind and can tell you the button increases the amount of time to cross. You need to wait until the chirping sound and then press the button. Get out of town. That's interesting. I'll have to give that a shot, David. Thanks for that tip. And we are getting a lot of text messages about... Oh, and you know what? We have Gail on the line. Let's go to Gail, and then we'll read some text messages. Gail is at 204-780-6868. Which intersection drives you nuts, Gail? First of all, I got to say, I love you guys. Second of all, Thank I got to say, I hate you guys. <laughs> because I can't do nothing in the afternoon. Can't make appointments. Can't go for walks. Got to listen to you guys because <laughs> you're so hilarious. You make my day. Thank you, Gail. I can't watch anything, you know, that I recorded the night before, <laughs> but love you. So anyways, what I want to say is uh, tuxedo going west. You get about two and a half cars across before the light turns yellow and then red. This you is at Route 90, Keniston? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just a real pain. And, and they've been out there, you know, maybe a year ago, and I thought, well, yay, we're going to get four cars across. <laughs> but no, you get two and a half, maybe, if you're lucky. And then you'll be going against the red. Well, so that's all I wanted to say because it really ticks me off. Gail, thank you so much for that. And by the way, Gail, if you can't, if you need to absolutely <laughs> make an appointment in the afternoon, you can subscribe to our podcast and listen to our show later on. Okay. Okay? Thanks, Gail. <laughs> Thanks, but I Gail. don't want to miss you. 
<laughs> you won't. You'll you'll the whole show is up there. And Gail, you can also go to cjob.com. Uh just a very quick funny story on Keniston. I had to was taking a bus home. I live in Cordon, and in order to get the 18, which goes up Cordon, I had to take, I can't remember which bus it was from Polo Park, but I had to get off on Keniston at Tuxedo, and the transfer bus comes up Tuxedo. And so it's heading eastbound on Tuxedo, turns right to go southbound on Keniston. So he rolls up and he doesn't even come to a complete stop. He comes to a crawl and he and I get on. He says, hang on, hang on. We got to keep going. Otherwise, the light's going to turn red. This is at 8 p.m. So the dri- You're doing the running jump on the bus. <laughs> Pretty much. He saw I was an able-bodied person. Nice. <laughs> he said, get on the bus. Let's go. James Bond himself. Hey, this is a really good point uh, from a texter. Uh, This is an unusual area code as well. My complaint on lights is people not understanding they have to be all the way up to the lines in certain turning lanes to trigger the arrow, uh, the arrow light. Oh, geez, of course, it just went away. Here we go. Uh, The trigger, the arrow light. Example, Keniston at Skirfield. Winnipeg drivers do not understand there are sensors in the ground on light poles triggered by lights and tigers and, and by the weight. That's totally... Accurate. There's one Springfield Road, and uh, well, it's actually Lajemogier and Springfield Road, and I know because I turn there about six times every single day. And if you're not uptight enough, and you're the only one in that turning lane, it'll skip the cycle on the turning lane. But if you get up nice and close, Dominion and Portage. I used to be a pizza guy, and so we used to come out of that parking lot. And as long as you were positioned just right, you would set off the sensor. It would know that you were there, and then it would interchange and interrupt the light cycle. So they're all over the place, those light sensors, and you have to be mindful of them. That's interesting. And, and in that sense, I wonder how far is too far, because there, yep. are, there are some times where you think, am I far enough to, to hit the sensors? But you don't want to go too far. I remember <laughs> I was turning off of Lajemondier. I was on Lajemondier to turn on to Bishop Grandin, and I was... So I pulled up to make, because I wanted to make sure the sensor went off, but I guess I, I pulled up to, I don't guess, I did. I was blocking the the sidewalk portion, and this guy on one of those, I don't want to say funny looking bikes, but you know those bikes where they're not sitting up, yeah. right? They're kind of sitting yes. down. Laying down, sure. Yeah. So he's beside me, and he's he's just cursing a uh, blue yeah. streak. Get yeah. out of my way. I had to back my car up, uh, but I wanted to make sure the lights went You know off. what I do? I roll my window down, and I go, it's called a sidewalk. <laughs> Not a side bicycle, it's a sidewalk. One of my pet peeves. Uh, Will says, on another note, the worst is Regent Crossing parking lot. That's the one we were talking yeah. about. The, oh. the entrance is dangerous with a cross street going to Tim's and Home Sense. Going further in, it's a four-way where no one knows how to navigate properly, it seems. And Will, just reinforcing what you were saying, Greg, about that being a difficult parking lot. I think difficult is... Is that a a gentle way to put it? I think that's a very polite way to put it. Uh, And what's with the two sets of lights at Confusion Corner going north on Donald? I always miss the first light just at the fireworks store. And it's the same on northbound on Main Street when you're going on to Disraeli. You kind of do that, the two curb lanes go into Disraeli. I'm never really understood why they need to have lights there. I guess it's for pedestrians. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess that's the only reason that they need the the lights there, that you have to stop from Maine going on to Disraeli. And never mind, I've answered my own question. Sometimes <laughs> you just need to say it out loud. Dave M. says, hey, Dave, uh, Dave here, north and south, or southbound 
Plessy's at Pandora. It's always red and red forever. And we actually, that reminds me that the first text we got on this was from Ryan, who was also talking about Plessy's. Turning on to Plessy's off of Gun Road during rush hour is by far the most dangerous mess I've witnessed to date. And yeah, that if you're familiar with that area, uh, Gun Road is sort of tucked away to the side. So if you're trying to turn left, like if you're on Gun and you're trying to turn left, which would be southbound on Plessy's, that would be a nightmare. Uh, but even trying to turn north, I think, could be tough as well. Uh, Dale says, Route 90 at Notre Dame. Eastbound light is five seconds. I counted that from Dale. And I know that one as well, but I know it westbound from my milkman days. Three in the morning, I would always get stuck at that stupid light. And every time I thought about going through that stupid light on red, a police car would would happen by. So uh, (laughs) they were always uh, my conscience. uh, And I never once blew that light as much as I wanted to. Going north on Young at Ellis Avenue, those lights stay for hours red. Oh, yeah, (laughs) Young at Ellis. Yeah, it does. That's uh, kind of if you're a UAW person and you kind of get stuck there. Yeah, that's right. And uh, Ryan has another one here. Uh, He used to, whoa, this is just reaffirming what he said about Plessy's and Gun, that he used to work in the industrial area back there. And after work every day, same nightmare, no lights, no proper signing, and anyone trying to make a left turn essentially has to throw themselves into traffic. So... Godspeed if you're trying to make that. Do we have time for one more text? And I think if you're on a bike, Godspeed to you as well. Those light sensors don't work when you're on a bike and wanting to turn. One. Thanks for all the feedback at 204-780-6868. And we may have to revisit this down the road. It is 157. Global News at 2 o'clock is up next. Ladies and gentlemen, Len Carrier. Beautiful, wonderful Angela, incredibly talented. I'm so proud to be here. You coax the blues right out of the horn. You charm the hus right off of the corn. That is the delightful voice of, well, I can't even say Winnipeg's because... You were born in St. Boniface, Manitoba, <laughs> technically. We'll call them Winnipeg's. Len Kiryu joins us here in studio along with Tina Keeper, a real treasure, uh, not only in the world of film and television and art, Indigenous affairs, but also a former MP for Churchill. We welcome them both both in the studio today as we are going to celebrate uh, the National Canada's Film Day. Right. And we'll yes. talk about uh, an exciting event and events going on around Manitoba. Thanks for coming to see us this afternoon. Pleasure. Thank you. 1959, according to my research, Mr. Carew, yeah. uh, was the first time you performed at Rainbow Stage. And was there a roof on the building at that point in time? No, there was no roof. So it was like, you know, if, if it clouded over, you were lucky if anybody came. Because, <laughs> um, you know, in, in the first uh, in the first weeks, you know, everybody was eager because it was finally you know, the new season. And if it, if it rained, of course, you know, they had uh, umbrellas went up and people were going, you know, trying to see. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and then they finally just gave up and left. So in the middle of the thing, you know, 
You start with a, with a 500, and by, by the middle of the second song, there were 200 left. So it's one of those things. Well, you're an absolute treasure. And, of course, Rainbow Stage has become a treasure, such a big part of our su- yeah, summer. Absolutely. So it's a good thing they put that giant umbrella over the <laughs> all. Uh, the 2,300 seats, I think, when uh, we had the conversation with uh, folks uh, from Rainbow Stage just a few weeks ago. It's a, it's a very big theater, and uh, you won a Tony Award. Mm-hmm. I did. Sweeney Todd, is that right? Yep. Wow. Wow. What year was that? Do you remember? 79. 79? That must yeah. have been special. Yeah, it was. It's uh, it's one of the great musicals of all time, I think, that Stephen Sondheim wrote. Mm-hmm. And I had done uh, a little night music with Stephen and Harold Prince uh, four years before that um, in New York. And, uh, and we did the film together of night music. And, uh, and then we did... Uh, we did Sweeney. Amazing stuff. And of course, Tina, you were on one of the first legitimately popular television shows about the North, right? North of yes. 60, which was popular yes. for a long time. Actually, that's where I first met yes. Len Carew. He was a guest on the show. And he, I was saying, I believe that he is the only Winnipegger that's ever won a Tony Award. I think I think you right? might be right. I'm no, sure right. about that. Yeah. Yes. We'll have to get the crowd research staff to confirm that. But such a such no, a pleasure I, to be we'll here. We'll go today. with the voice yes. himself. <laughs> Can you confirm that for I, us, Len? Yeah, I think it's I think that's true. It's the thing that uh, Kevin Prokosh, who used to be at the, at yes. the Free Press, mm-hmm. always kind of started every article that you know when he interviewed me every time I'd come back into town. Well, the it's a only deal. Tony Award winner. It's, it's gigantic. a big deal. Sure. Yes. But my yeah, goodness. Anna Paquin, of course, uh, has the Manitoba uh, birth certificate, but left here at two or three. But she has an Oscar. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, she doesn't call herself a Winnipegger. Len, I trust that you still do. I do. <laughs> yeah. Just going to need to interrupt the conversation for a moment. We're getting a couple of text messages. Uh, traffic heads up. Several lights out on Portage Avenue, west of uh, Route 90. Ness and Ferry as well. So just watch out for that. And uh, we're also seeing uh, from our newsroom reports of traffic lights out all over the Polo Park area. Uh, One caller telling us that lights are out in both directions on Portage from Woodlawn Street in St. James all the way to Route 90. Uh, Another says lights are out on Route 90 itself between Ness and Silver. So we're checking on this issue with Manitoba Hydro. So it was the city listening to our conversation from (laughs) 1.30 and 2 and just turn off all the traffic lights? Yeah, you think it's rough now, guys? We're going to turn them all off. (laughs) All the lights in Polo Park around your radio station. It's our fault here at 680 CJOB. McGarry and Mackling with you on this uh, Wednesday afternoon. It is Canadian Film Day and movie nights across Canada Canada are celebrating today, but also Canada's 150th uh, birthday. That's what's bringing Tina and Len back home, if we can say that. And and what are you going to be doing tonight, Tina? We're actually going to be hosting an event, which will be a screening of a film by a Winnipeg-based filmmaker and produced by Eagle Vision. So um, we are going to have uh, some guests. There's uh, the event's been sponsored by Manitoba Film and Music and On Screen Manitoba Telefilm, and it's part of a national um, number of events that are going on to yeah, celebrate it's the third, Canadian there's film. Going to be, there's going to be eight of them over the over the whole year. Uh, they started in Ottawa and they did Toronto. They've done Toronto and Ottawa. We're number three, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, uh, and then it's going on until I think September, 
um, promoting Canadian film and, uh, and, and, and going to each province and, and pushing or promoting uh, indigenous film that's being made there. Um, our film tonight is Lovesick. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is uh, 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 directed, written and directed by Tyson Cairn uh, and, and produced by... Uh, yeah, Kyle Irving at uh, Eagle Vision. Yeah. Kyle Irving, he might have a connection to this radio station by blood. His uh, dad, Bob Irving, what? of course. The voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Absolutely. Oh, really? <laughs> it's a small right? town after all, right? It is <laughs> such a small town. And, um, yeah, so it's going to be an exciting event. I think that um, there's 2,000 people that will be attending tonight's event. There's a red carpet portion. So Adam Beach will be back in town. Nice. Ali Tataran is here. And so we're looking forward to a fun night. And it is, it is a small town, so it's like... Old family night. So this is happening at the Centennial Concert Hall. Movie nights across Canada, Manitoba Film and Music as well, will be bringing Canadian stars together to celebrate creative industries and Canada's 150th. Now, uh, Mr. Carey, why is it so important to have things like National Canadian Film Day? Well, I think it's there's, there's probably two or three really good reasons. I think that uh, it, it's time that we promote... Indigenous uh, filmmaking. Um, it's because uh, you know a lot of it has gone to, to the to the states, and uh, I was you know I'm I'm part of that, uh, and uh, but I think also what, what it's what it's doing. For instance, here in, in Manitoba, um, what is what it's doing culturally and I think economically to the province is uh, you know is is a is a big impact. I think it's going to have that kind of, of impact uh, nationwide. And I think that's why it's important. I think it's interesting that, you know, you're going to be showing Lovesick tonight. Winnipeg plays Winnipeg yes. in this yeah. film, right? Versus some of the other right. major films that are brought here. And yes. we can talk about the tax credit and the implications yes. uh, maybe yeah. at another time. Right. But it's one thing when Winnipeg plays New York or Chicago, right. what have you. But when it plays Winnipeg, d- does that change anything in your mind, Tina? I think it's really important. I think it really contributes to this you know, cultural landscape that we we have in Canada, which is just, you know, we're a vibrant arts community and vibrant artists. I will say, you know, I just read a book um, by Winnipeg author Katerina Vermet, and it was like, it was, it was like reading, you know, um, Gone Girl, you know, or, you know, it's like, it's such a riveting book. And I thought, you know, this is fantastic. This is so Canadian. It's like this film, you know, it's, it, it just creates this cultural dynamic, which is so important. I think that, you know, the other part is then who we are at the international level. And I think that that's part of what the arts, you know, contributes. We continue to build upon ourselves and our own values and our aesthetics. It's really exciting. Well, do you think, Tina, that we're in danger uh, of Canadian culture sort of disappearing in the wake of the American entertainment machine? I think that's been, an, yeah, it's been quite the issue for quite a number of years. And of course, you know, um, you know, there was, of course, the big CRTC cuts in uh, mid-90s. But, you know, over and above that now with social media and, you know, internet access and all these digital platforms, yeah. I think it's really, it's even more important now that we continue to invest in our own artists and invest in our own voice. 
Well, Ed, take us back to when you got into acting. We mentioned mm-hmm. Rainbow Stage. If something like Rainbow Stage doesn't exist, do you even pursue this as a as a vocation for yourself? Well, I think so. It just so happened that it, it corresponded uh, with uh, John Hirsch coming to mm. uh, to Winnipeg and him starting the uh, the Manitoba Theater Center, which is now the Royal Manitoba Theater Center. Yes. Um, so I was part of that company. Um, we, it wasn't a, a real rep company, but uh, there were a core of us that, that worked here and John used us always. Uh, and I'm, you know, in my first seven or eight years as an actor, uh, I went back and forth between here and Stratford, Ontario. And uh, so I got an incredible education that way. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it always that has struck me is that there was always a wonderful audience in Winnipeg. Uh, I think because of the ballet, because we had that very strong arts form and the symphony. Uh, mm-hmm. And I remember Hirsch coming here and saying, you don't have a professional theater. You have one of the great ballet companies in, in the world. I don't understand. So he said, I'm going to start one. And uh, I happened to be there. And he happened to like me. And I guess the rest is history, as they say. But uh, uh, it was uh, the thing that was that has always struck me because from the day from day one, when I first was at MTC, I he called us all in that we're going to be in the first play. It was Mr. Roberts. And he said, uh, you have to get on the phones and answer the phones and, and take. <laughs> and I said, Phil, take I said, orders? what? He said, yeah. Take, Box up. Yeah. He said, you got to promote subscriptions. <laughs> Come and see me. I'm going to be on the stage and, and I'll sell you, you know, I'll sell you a season ticket. And that was from day one. And mm-hmm. I went, oh, Great. so this is, this isn't just a walk in the park. Um, and it has been that way. And, you know, uh, the incredible thing is that I think, to, I mean, today I'm, I'm, I don't exactly have the the figure, but I think it's close to seventy to eighteen thousand season subscribers at the main stage uh, mm-hmm. at the Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre, and, it, uh, and I incredible. think they have a they have another really strong group at, right. at the warehouse. So. Yes, it's outstanding. Uh, that is the voice of Tom Selleck's dad. If you watch Blue Bloods, uh, Len Carriou, he's in studio with us along with Tina Keeper. We're celebrating uh, National Canadian Film Day. And tonight at the Centennial Concert Hall, there will be a screening of a locally produced film, Tyson Karen's Love Sick, which stars Jay Baruchel. And we're going to continue our conversation in a moment after your forecast, which is up next. If you are just tuning in and are heading anywhere near Polo Park, just be aware that we have reports of lights out all over the area. One caller telling us that lights are out in both directions on Portage from Woodlawn Street in St. James all the way to Route 90. Another says lights out on Route 90 itself between Ness and Silver. We are looking into this with... Uh, Manitoba Hydro lights out at King Edward and Dublin as well. So Polo Park is a mess.
<laughs> Heather says, oh my gosh, two of my all-time faves on your show. Never missed an episode of North of 60 and never miss Blue Bloods. Always find them in their current projects. What a treat to hear them both. They sound wonderful. That's from Heather. So say hi to Heather. Hi, Heather. Thank you so much. That's not my Heather, is it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's an area code well, 204. <laughs> <laughs> Area code 204. I don't know what kind of cell phones if you're uh, no, doing 212 or 201. 201. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, so I'll talk about that. It is. Very good. <laughs> hey, uh, the value of Canadian culture and the idea we touched on that. Uh, do we have to give these tax credits in order to or similar incentives to artists to continue to make art, whether it be sculpture, whether it be poetry, you know, uh, other artistic endeavors? Is Government support critical, Tina? I believe it is. Worthwhile I, investment? I think absolutely. I think one of the one of the important aspects, I think, of the arts is, you know, really how, not, you know, it's not just character building or, you know, something to do. It, like, lit, it literally creates, um, you know, just imagination. And I think that that ties into literacy. And, you know, so that you create a, you know, thoughtful, Thoughtful societies. I think that that's really, you know, at the core of the arts. And I think it's a really important aspect to societies. And I think that we we do owe it to ourselves to take care of that. I think that uh, governments do play a role in that. And I have to say that, you know, in terms of economics, even when you look at the tax credits here in Manitoba, you know, the film industry alone contributes $127 million to the economy here in Manitoba. So it's, you know, it's, there's a lot of economic uh, drivers for sure, but I think that even as a society, when you look at how much it builds a community and really links into so many aspects that have uh, impacts on our social and health, our well-being. Well, and Len, you've you've you know you've both done so much stuff, uh, and Len, in your case. Um, being a star of Blue Bloods, for example, just wondering with all this stuff that you've done to come back and be a Manitoba talent ambassador. What does that mean to you? Uh, it means it means a lot. Um, uh, it's I'm proud of it. I, I've always loved this city. I'm, I'm really proud of, of the fact that there is such an incredible loyal audience for the theater that they were able to uh, start a, a heritage. Uh, mm-hmm. fund uh, for the theater, which was one of Hirsch's main ideas. And uh, and now we're about to launch... Uh, a campaign of some sort? Yeah, there is. Yes. That we're, that we're going to launch uh, out, of the, out of the Royal MTC uh, this year. And I'm trying to think of the title of it, and I'm fumbling. Don't I'm worry sorry. about it at all. I feel like I'm standing in the wings, and I'm feeding you your lines. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but, it, but I think that that's, but that's how Winnipeg is. You know, it's such a, it is a really incredible city, and it is an incredible yeah. center of the arts. I, you know, was with the, I was on the RWB board for a number of years, and we actually created a, a new creation, a ballet um, with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, and it was actually one of the most successful ballets that the RWB had created, and that was, uh, you know, um, with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission on the residential schools. Like, who would have even thought of it, and right. how, who, how could you create that? You know, it's an amazing city. 
Telling our stories and preserving them. It's absolutely critical. And I have to congratulate you because you are the 2017 Actress Woman of the Year. Yes. A very uh, well-deserved honor. Thank you. Congratulations. Len, Tina, thank you for this. We appreciate your time so much. And thank you for wearing your Manitoba colors so proudly. National Canadian Canadian Film Day, our guests, Tina Keeper, Len Carrier. They will be hosting tonight's event at the Centennial Concert Hall, a presentation of Lovesick, which is a Winnipeg-made film. It is coming up to 2.30 on 6.80 CJOB. From celebrating Canadian cinema and arts... We uh, go to celebrating Manitoba food, Brett McGarry. I know that we've discussed uh, many times on this program how Winnipeg punches above its weight on so many fronts, the arts. And now uh, we are getting attention big time for the quality of our restaurants, something that's, I think, been underrated for a long time, but really coming into our own now. That actually makes me angry because I've I've often seen the lists of the best places to go in Canada and and not... Yeah, among those lists are places in Winnipeg, so I think that that's a farce, I quite agree. frankly. And I agree. We have a couple of people in studio to help promote our city, and this has to do with an event uh, that, is, that was brought to our attention by the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce that's happening on Friday, April 28th. It's called Toasting Winnipeg, a celebration of Winnipeg's success. This is happening the morning of Friday, April 28th, 7.30 to 9 a.m., uh, Cinnaboyne Park at the Qualico Family Center, and you can buy tickets at winnipeg-chamber.com. And that event is going to be hosted by our guests who have joined us in studio. We have Corey Poon, who is the founder of Sweet C Bakery. That's the letter C. And Chef Peter Fair, who is the owner of Gourmet Inspirations. Corey and Chef Peter, welcome. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having us. So, toasting Winnipeg, we'll start with you, Corey. What is it about Winnipeg that you think the that needs to be celebrated? What is successful that needs to be celebrated? I think here in Winnipeg, we have so many amazing food products that are produced right here in Winnipeg that a lot of people are just starting to find awareness of. And celebrating that and just showcasing these great products to not only showcase them here in Winnipeg, Manitoba-wide, and then eventually Canada-wide. It's this movement of eating local and, you know, helping these small entrepreneurs is huge. It's huge. And I mean, and it tastes 10 times better. Well, give us a couple of examples of those uh, locally produced foods that are maybe starting to gain traction and get the notoriety that they deserve. Um, of course, uh, well, myself, Sweetsy Bakery, uh, we're, we're getting traction, um, especially across North America. Uh, Peter with Gourmet Inspirations. We also have uh, Carly Minish with Smack Dab Mustards. We have Ryan and Amy Hofford with North Country Grains. Um, you know what, even, uh, I'm trying to think of the other one, uh, Patricia, she owns Nosh on This, which is gluten-free and vegan-friendly fe- vegan foods. You know, those are just a few of them. And there's, if you go to, like, Food and Beverage Manitoba, you'll be able to find a lot more of these companies which we're we're slowly we're slowly getting out there. We're slowly getting into stores. I mean, it's one step at a time. But the more that we can bring people to see these companies, the the faster we can get out there, and the faster we can put value on it. So, Peter, uh, one of the things that this is highlighting, and I'll just ask you about this: is uh, Winnipeg has a growing rep for food excellence, particularly for uh, one connection that is strong. What is that connection they're talking about? Uh. Or am I putting you on the spot? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> okay. But I think people, the, the, obviously the local movement movement's really growing and people want to support local, want to see what's being done right here in their backyard. 
Well, and, that was, let me rephrase. And this, sure. that was, that was, I'll, that, I'll take the bullet on that one. <laughs> uh, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot like that. It's the connection between farm and table. So maybe right. the question is, can you elaborate uh, yes. on what that means? For sure. Uh, people want to know where their food comes from, I think, is what that, what that connection is often still missing in the food industry. And so these small companies can bring more transparency to their products and can they're sourcing local ingredients and can just, yeah, be transparent where their, their ingredients are coming from. And yeah, tell the uh, consumer where yeah where their food is coming from. Be able to communicate that on their packaging and and uh, yeah. You know, we've we been talking about the I guess is it the hundred mile diet that a lot of people oh, yes. reference, yes. right? And right. this idea of of eating things that only come within come from within a hundred miles of where you are. And of course, uh, that sounds all well and good in Manitoba mm. for four or five, six months of the year. But of course, that would mean our diets would have to change dramatically right. uh, in the wintertime. But is, is there some, is that a good rule of thumb to sort of base the core of your diet on to, to, to eat local that way, not only from a economic standpoint, but a, but a healthy standpoint as well. It is completely. And I truly believe that you, you know, you are what you eat. And right now, if you look at the grocery stores, they're li- the shelves are lined with byproducts and melted down plastics and all these awful, awful things. And that's what people are consuming. And it's going to, you know, that's what we're eventually going to turn into. If you can keep it local, you're supporting your local economy you're supporting these smaller businesses, these families, but you are, you know, ingesting something that is actually good for you. Whether it be, you know, from, say, grains that, yes, six months of the year we can get here in Manitoba. But even if it's, um, for example, my cookies, which is flour, you know, that we buy through Costco all year round. But the thing is, it's homemade. You can actually see the ingredients that that you're eating. And that is a huge part of it. So let's talk about your businesses. Uh, Chef Peter Fair, let's start with you. You're sure. the owner of Gourmet Inspirations. Mm. What is it? Where is it? What yeah. do we need to know about your business? Right. So I'm a chef by trade and most recently had work at a five-star northern Manitoba fishing resort and where I made a creamy peppercorn whiskey sauce from scratch for a steak dinner. And we had a guest from Texas who was a rancher and loved the product and said, you need to put that in a bottle and sell it. So that's where it all started. Okay. <laughs> that was five outside years. Val- outside validation, right? That's right, exactly. <laughs> so that was five years ago. And from there, yeah, started developing the product, worked with the food sciences department at the U of M to uh, figure out how, how do I now take this sauce and put it in a bottle to make it safe to consume for, on the, like have someone buy it at the store sh- on the store shelves. And it's fairly simple. You don't need to add a bunch of nasty preservatives. It's fairly simple. I add like vitamin C to it, which is an acid, and it balances the pH. And it's, I mean, it's kind of technical stuff, but it's easy to balance and make uh, products safe for the f- uh, store shelves. Um, That's an interesting thing because you, because how long would it you meant to would it be safe to eat? Let's say you made it and we're yeah. serving it here, and then we just left it out for a couple of hours. At what right. point do you say don't eat that? Yeah, two hours is usually the the, the time limit before you kind of go into the danger zone, as they talk about in food safety. Uh, so you wouldn't want more than two hours, and you want to keep it at temperature. So you want to keep it at either hot or cold. And so above, I think it's what forty degrees or below four, or whatever it is. Can't okay. remember the temperatures exactly. So room um, temp would be bad. <laughs> yeah, room temperature is bad. Exactly. <laughs> so, you, so, so how much uh, work went into discovering? Okay, how do I make this product oh, something man. that can go from my kitchen onto a shelf? Yeah, it took almost a year for me um, of thinking up the flavors and then developing them to a product in a jar. 
And then it's it's an ongoing, evolving process where I'm developing new flavors and fine-tuning the recipes and just making it better. And so it's always an ongoing, ongoing process for sure. Peter, that's a fascinating story because when, when you look at it and it goes from someone making a suggestion that you need to bottle this. Right. Uh, first of all, you had the intuition to go, well, maybe this person is right. Right. But how did you know to contact the, the Food Development Center? Like, uh, can you take us back a, oh, the, the in-between step of of understanding, you know, of having an idea and turning it and transforming it into an actual product? There had to have been lots of steps involved there. Yeah, there's there, lots but- of steps. And I can't even remember the first step. Like, I think I went to some networking event where I met some food-related people. And they, I think I actually met some food science students. And they're like, oh, our professor is here. We need, you need to meet him. And so I met the head of the food sciences department and then got connected to their top students to help develop my product. And then from there, became on the radar of Manitoba agriculture and food and beverage of Manitoba and just started networking and meeting people and asking questions. And it was just about declaring yourself. Yeah. Like, I'm here. I want to yeah, do this. Exactly, How right. do I do it? Right. <laughs> yeah, and it, yeah. I don't really know what the next step is, the first step. And uh, that, that's a great story. I love that. Right. And your story has taken you to the Academy Awards with your sauces? Yes. That was this last February. So how was that? <laughs> it was crazy. It was awesome. It was definitely a whirlwind of uh, a time, and our products didn't show up till like a, the exact hour that the doors opened. So we thanked UPS a lot for shipping our stuff on time, or barely on time. And uh, <laughs> so yeah, what was your, what were your, were your sauces in there? The, the grab bags well, or whatever that they get? Yes, or? they were. Yeah, it was actually set up as a luxury gifting suite. So celebrities actually walk the floor and get to meet the makers of these products. And it's not just food; there's all kinds of products there. You get to meet the the owners, the the makers of the product, and uh, sample. And yeah, we were able to give the celebrities product, and and now we've been seeing a little bit of social media activity, and uh, just gotten some good uh, publicity back have, back here at home as well. Have so you had been, any endorsements from some from some of your favorite uh, actors? No, there's some stuff in the works, but nothing nothing yet. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're going to continue our conversation in a moment. We'll find out about Corey Poon's business, Sweet Sea Bakery. We're talking about an event that is happening Friday morning, April 28th, at Assiniboine Park Qualico Family Centre. It's called Toasting Winnipeg, a celebration of Winnipeg success. We're celebrating food innovation uh, because Winnipeg has a growing reputation for for food excellence. So we will continue this chat after your forecast, which is up next. I'm Brett. He is Greg. We're talking about an event that is coming up from the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce. It's called Toasting Winnipeg, a celebration of Winnipeg success, happening the morning of Friday, April 28th, 7.30 to 9 a.m. at Assiniboine Park at the Qualico Family Centre with Peter Fair from Gourmet Inspirations and Corey Poon from Sweet Sea Bakery. And Corey, uh, Sweet Sea Bakery, where is that? What can you tell us about your business? Uh, Sweet Sea Bakery is located in Transcona. Uh, we're far east side of the city. Uh, physical address is 1171 Kildare Avenue East, Unit B. Uh, I started Sweet Sea Bakery uh, just about six years ago uh, to be a stay-at-home mom. That's literally all it started was just to help put food on the table. We were absolutely broke. Um, and I had no intentions of getting to where I am now, but... You know, I believe everything happens for a reason, and I and I, I don't settle, and I love to continue to grow, and I strive to get our products around the world, and I just love seeing what what we can create that was once created in this, you know, 10 by 6 kitchen in my house. So, so you use the internet predominantly to sell and market your product, but 
Things took a unique turn, I, I understand. Yeah. Um, so originally, my, my model of my bakery was, it's conveniently delicious. I wanted homemade goodness shipped to your door. And that's kind of my foundation of the bakery. So for up until six months ago, um, my bakery was modeled after online wholesale distribution selling in stores. No intentions of ever opening a storefront. So we started building our kitchen in Transcona. We had our banner in the window, and we started um, seeing online on all the social media sites all the excitement growing that a bakery is coming to Transcona. And I'm, no, I'm not doing a storefront, you know. It'll just be what it'll be, and people will get used to it. And then um, it kept growing, so I was like, okay, I'll put in a small takeout counter. <laughs> so, you know, so then we're watching as our, we're waiting for permits, and we're continuing to build, and it's just like, you know what? There's so much people are wanting this. I'm like, okay, I'll put it in a storefront, but I'm not doing cupcakes. Cupcakes are so overdone, or so I thought. So we opened our doors on October 29th, and I think it was about a month in, and I realized we needed to have cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, the way I say it, what I talk, when I talk about my bakery is, it's your neighborhood bakery. It's, uh, you know, family serving family. And I love that it's, you know, community serving community. And when people said they wanted cupcakes, then I'm willing to, you know what, make a business change and provide them with cupcakes. So the Greg is just, he's overwhelmed by something that he's seeing on on it's <laughs> off your Instagram what feed. What is it? Okay, let me see. See, why didn't you want to see it? I thought I thought you were reacting to something else. Oh, no, 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 oh, no. I don't no, know how to go no, back no, on no, iPhone. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it is some sort of, it's starting. It's a creamsicle macaroon. Yes. Yeah, okay. I, I'm not going to take credit for that one because that's the only item in my bakery that we actually don't make in-house. Mm. We actually outsource them from my good friend, uh, Soapy. He's got his own um, his own business and stuff, and he provides to a few different bakeries here in Winnipeg. But they're all completely handmade, and they're absolutely amazing. And I never used to be like a Mac snob until I had his, and oh my goodness, now <laughs> I, yeah, I've had a, I've, I've had a few. <laughs> so your stuff, you weren't used... You send it around the world, did I hear you say that? Yeah, um, mostly it's our candy sushi. That's one of the things we're most known for. Um, and people found us on Instagram. It was a PR company uh, about four years ago. And um, Selma Hike was just launching her Nuance nail polish. And so she, they had hired this company. Uh, it's called Poke PR in New York. And they had found us with the candy sushi. And they sent it out to the top 50 um, magazine companies in New York. So it went to like Cosmo, L, Huffington Post. Um, 47 other ones. And that was kind of the start of it. And from there, you know, I realized that we had an item that was shelf stable. It was beautiful to look at. It was delicious. It's for the young, old, and everywhere in between. So now we literally ship it around the world. It's been to Australia, China, Paris, New Zealand. Uh, it's sold in six stores down in the States, and we're just constantly growing with it. You said shelf stable. What does that mean? Uh, it means it's got, a, you know, a longer shelf life than most things, like, say, for example, than our cookies we bake and stuff like that. Uh, so with our candy sushi, it has a shelf life of about 120 days. So which means stores stores often go for things that have a longer shelf life because it's safer for them to keep on the shelf so they have a longer time to move it. So for our candy sushi, that's one of the things that appeals to them. It's like, okay, you know, if it's January and people are kind of watching what they eat, we don't have to worry that this is going to be lost revenue for us. 
Candy sushi, you got to describe that to us. It's um, it's amazing. Um, so it is our homemade rice crispy square. You'll be able to find it in our Instagram feeds. Um, and then my husband does most of it. I can hardly, I can't take a lot of credit for it, but it's all completely hand rolled using regular sushi techniques. Um, but instead of fish and cucumbers, we use like Swedish fish, licorices. Um, nibs for wasabi, we do a bright green homemade vanilla buttercream, and for soya sauce, we do a chocolate sauce. <laughs> so it's all literally packaged in actual serving tra- or sushi trays uh, with chopsticks. So it is your full sushi experience, but it's all sweet. We just got a text message from Dave M who says her fresh strawberry cupcakes are amazing. So- oh, awesome. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> so, Peter, uh, this this kind of is one of the things we'd like to do in this show is uh-huh. is celebrate young Winnipeg entrepreneurs. And we brought you two in to talk about this event, and it sort mm. of ended up kind of accidentally being a celebration of young Winnipeg entrepreneurs and that you two are doing. And the the news release that came to us says Peter is well known to Winnipeg with the growing success of the hashtag love local MB. Yes. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, really excited about that event. Uh, I co-founded it in uh, 2014, I believe. Uh, I was vending at a farmer's market and chatting with my neighbor vendor about uh, hosting some kind of food event. I love bringing people together and eating and drinking together. And she was like, why don't we take all these vendors we have right here at the market and call it Love Local? And so that's where it all started. And we've grown from like 20 vendors to like 50 now. And we're probably going to have more this coming year. So it's a beer, wine, and food event where we uh, feature... Sounds awful. Yeah. Beer, (laughs) wine, and food? (laughs) That's right. I don't want to do that. (laughs) Uh, So it's a classy, fun evening out. You got a free glass of wine, um, lots of sampling of local products. So it's just a showcase of local Manitoba food and beverage products. Um, Yeah. And again, like Corey was saying before, a lot of these brands are newer and, but amazing brands, but that don't have, uh, people don't know about them yet. So what Love Local does is really help uh, provide a platform for these companies to to, uh, bring exposure to their brands. This event that is coming up, Toasting Winnipeg, by the way, 7.30 to 9 a.m. Why is it so early? <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder the same thing sometimes. <laughs> I feel like most of the chamber members are uh, of a demographic that maybe love mornings more than I do. I don't know. <laughs> I've got young kids. I don't do mornings, yeah. but well, I will. It's called Toasting Winnipeg, a celebration of Winnipeg's success. You can buy tickets at winnipeg-chamber.com. Friday morning, April 28th, 7.30 to 9 a.m. at Assiniboine Park, Qualico Family center with Corey Poon from Sweet Sea Bakery and Peter Fair from Gourmet Inspirations. And do you, either, what are your websites? Corey, what's your website? Uh, pretty easy, sweetseabakery.com. And yours? Uh, gourmetinspirations.ca. And they're easy both enough. on Twitter. I've Twitter, just followed Twitter, you Instagram, both. Facebook. And that yeah. hashtag one more time? Uh, the hashtag is lovelocalmb. Uh, there's also lovelocalmb.com. You can find it on all social media platforms as well. Well, you guys, uh, you've inspired us and uh, made us very, very hungry along <laughs> the way. Peter and Corey, thank you for your time thank this you. afternoon. Congratulations you. for what you're doing and for inspiring. You know you're inspiring other young entrepreneurs and, and other people who are in the food business to do great things. So thank you for that. Thanks for having Thanks. us. Global News at 3 o'clock is up next on 680 CJOB. I guess we'll just listen to a few more seconds of Kiss. Greg Mackling and Brett McGarry with you on this 
Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday afternoon, 3.08. Hope you're having a fantastic day, and thank you for taking some time out of your day with us. We have some former Winnipeggers, or do we call you Winnipeggers who live abroad? We'll, we'll let you de- define that for us. Uh, Daryl and Shirley joining us in the studio. Daryl and Shirley Peters are Canadians in love with Africa, uh-huh. and Dashir Lodge <laughs> is in Tanzania, and you left Winnipeg, uh, what, about a decade ago, and took your kids and kicked caboodle, and we went to well, Africa. actually, we left our kids behind. We say we sold everything but our three kids, but we left them behind. Oh, you left them behind, yes. didn't I? Okay. <laughs> That's right. I wasn't quite sure if you, okay, now I got it. So, yeah, it was a dream of ours for ever since in the prenups, and our kids know exactly that this was going to happen someday, and everything came together. We bought land through a leaky roof in Botswana when we were there. And we ended up in Africa in 2010 and started on virgin land of 30 acres and started from scratch and built in four years a lodge, added a safari component to the place, and now we're hosting people from mostly about half of them are coming from Manitoba because it's very homegrown, very word of mouth. We love the relationship with people. We love uh, getting to know people on the front end, planning with them, so there's no agent or in-between middleman. And we host uh, 14 to 20-day adventures in Tanzania, Serengeti, Kilimanjaro, uh, Zanzibar, and even climbing, you know, Mount Kilimanjaro. So, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, easy peasy, right? Just yeah, leave it all behind no and sh- we'll just go to Africa. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal, no big whoop, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Shirley, why Africa? Oh, boy. Since I was 12, Africa has always been in my heart. And so I went to Zambia first before we got married. And as he said in the prenups, then he said yes to marrying me of the guys who wanted to date me. He said yes, so I said good. So then we went to Botswana with our kids in a window period of time when they were teenagers working um, in, in Botswana in a school for Daryl and me in a women's prison. And uh, after that, um, we just visited Tanzania, never thought we'd ever go back, drove there for three days with Tanzanian friends through a leaky roof, Bakari and Agnes, who are lifelong friends for 16 years. And Africa is in our blood. And when you visit, it gets in your blood because we have clients returning every year who absolutely love it. Now, I was reading about beaches, mountains, the wildlife people, and then I heard you say something about women's prison. Yeah. I apologize. My ears weren't completely on That there. was Botswana. There are women's prisons in Tanzania, too. That was just my passion, what I did when I was in Bible school and also when we were married and went with as missionaries back to when we went to Botswana. So, I did that in Zambia and Botswana. Now... We're doing a tourist resort lodge kind of thing, a completely different life, but other things. We live right in the community, the 30 acres, so we are fortunate enough to handpick each person on our team. The Maasai are a very intriguing tribe if you get to know them or read about them. We have about six on our land. They started off, some of them as our guards. We handpick and train each one of them, and one of our Maasai guards named Musa, who's our son's age, is now our bartender, and he was taught in one day because February we had one free night off. We were completely full. And so everyone is trained by us. We have organic gardens. All our food is made by scratch. Um, Everything we do, we make people feel at home, and we're with you from the journey from when you come to when you leave because people get a – Africa gets a bad rap, and people are afraid about Africa. Why aren't – the and I think you're exactly right. So why shouldn't people be afraid to come and see you in Tanzania? They they shouldn't be afraid at all, actually. Tanzania is one of the safest countries in all of Africa. And I think it's much safer than traveling anywhere in North America or Mexico even. Um, 
tour, there's over a million tour, tourists every year that come there. There's hardly an issue. I can't even remember an issue over the last two years, actually, with the tourists. Tanzanians are very peace-loving. They've never fought for their, for their independence. They negotiate like Canada. So we think there's a lot of good correlations between Tanzania and Canada. And they're laid back. They are forgiving. And they're so warm and welcoming to outsiders. It, it's unbelievable. They don't check you out. They just open up their arms and they welcome you. And you can feel it. It's tangible. It's really amazing. We feel really privileged to be there, and we just want to share it with as many people as possible and give Africa a good name because it's an amazing place. It's, uh, you see people who are loving, and there's no problems at all when we're there. The website is dashirlodgeandsafaris.com. That's spelled D-A-S-H-I-R, lodgeandsafaris.com. And on that website, uh, there's one thing you'll see right on the homepage that you're uh, cross-Canada tour, a meet-and-greet with a chance to meet Daryl and Shirley. And your meet-and-greet in Winnipeg is coming up, uh, when is it, The twenty starting the 24th, on yes? Monday and Tuesday. Monday. Yep. Okay, so where are, the, where are those going to happen? On Monday, we're at Charleswood Library from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. We keep it short and sweet. Okay. Uh, and then on Tuesday, the 25th, from on Pemina Trails Library in St. Vitale area. And what's the uh, the reception been so far? You've been to Calgary, uh, Mississauga, Edmonton. I could go on. What's it What's it been like? Surely, how has it been? It's been really wonderful. I mean, in Winnipeg alone, because we're from here, we can get up to a hundred people in a night. in In that in the western part, we're new there to that market, so we had over eighty eight. But we've had like seven eight bookings alone just from that, because people f- meet us, they feel us, they see our video presentation, they meet our staff, they see our land, and. To be honest, we are Canadians and we know what we're doing. We know how to feed you. We know how to give you a good trip. And so people feel really safe with us. You're sending a lot of money somewhere. You want to know that you're sending to a place that you won't be scammed. I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. And so people feel us, meet us. And uh, actually from CJOB, we've had people come to Africa from hearing this presentation last year being on oh. radio. So, I mean, yeah, we, f- we feel we're the ticket because we know how to make you feel at home and we know how to carry you through the entire experience. We walk you through everything you do, even going to Zanzibar, even before safari. Everything that you're doing, we take care of you from the minute you come till the minute you leave. What does dashir, where does that come from? Um, Dashir is not a Swahili term. It's not Arabic. It actually comes from our names. I got two letters and Shirley got four. Oh, Daryl, Daryl, you're not the best negotiator. I got the, but I got the first two, man. Yeah, but I got the last, and the last will be best and first. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. It actually means a lot of things. There's African names in that, too. Our kids' names are in that when we break it down. But Beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just I'm looking at it now. Dashir, D-A and S-H-I-R. What would you Dashir or Darshi? I think Dashir does have a, it seems to roll off the tongue better yeah. anyway. Or Shida. Shida would be the other way, and that means problems in Swahili. So <laughs> yeah, that, so you picked, yeah, you went the right way. It's like Matata. <laughs> and these so. pictures and uh, your resort is absolutely gorgeous. It's got a mm-hmm. swimming pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go to Dashir Lodge and mm-hmm. Safaris.com, check it out, and we'll continue our conversation with Daryl and Shirley when we come back. Daryl and Shirley Peters, they are Canadians in love with Africa. They're sharing that love. They invite you to share their love for Tanzania and the area around it to Sheer Lodge. It is absolutely spectacular. You can go to their website. I'm looking at it right now, DeSheerLodgeAndSafaris.com. And Tanzania, for those that are unfamiliar, very close to the equator there, Daryl? Yeah, it's three degrees south of the equator. It's uh, And Mount Kilimanjaro is only 60 kilometers from our place. 
and it's snow capped right by the equator, which is it's six kilometers above sea level. So it's pretty amazing. And then we have another mountain, Mount Meru, just 10 kilometers to the north of us. So we have these two mountains, which are kind of like bookends of our lodge, which and we're on a, on the foothills of Mount Meru. Right. So you were talking about how Tanzanians have been uh, so stable and managed to to stay free of conflict and is yeah. so very safe. How how in your estimation has that happened? I'm looking at some of the countries that surround it. I mean, uh, very fortunate for that for that to be the case, Daryl. It uh, it comes down to the uh, father of Tanzania, the first president of Tanzania, Julius Nyerere. He was a Mandela-like figure. He was for the people. He was a good man, and he well, he was a teacher like me. So I. They also call me the same name as him, Mwalimu, which means teacher. So I was given that name when I came to Tanzania. So he, he was for the people. He did good things for the people. He, he brought the tribes together. He said all the religions have to work together. Muslim, Hindu, Christian, Sikh, you have to get along. And if you don't, then you're out kind of thing. So he was very forcible about that. And so all the religions get along together. And then all the tribes too. There's 100, over 120 tribes in Tanzania. So that's a recipe for disaster, perhaps. But he said all the tribes have to get together. So he actually made them live together in different places and made them go to school together. So it has a very different history from Zimbabwe, Kenya, Uganda, and other places in in sub-Saharan Africa. And that's the difference. It's this guy. One guy changed the nation and set it's on its course. So it's pretty amazing. So, surely we have about 90 seconds left here. Somebody listening to this radio station right now maybe raising an eyebrow thinking, this sounds kind of neat. What's the sales pitch to visit Dashir Lodge and Safaris? The sales pitch? Ha! Absolutely our team. Our African team, he's talked about all the tribes. We've put together five different tribes. The Maasai tribes, different tribes coming together and being as one, they will serve you. They will make you laugh. The Maasai will dance for you. Um... They will give you an experience like you've never had anywhere else in the world. We often have people leave our lodge, this sounds bad, but in tears saying, I don't want to go because they're that impacted by our team. We have uh, rooms right now, we're building six more, we have five. And the reason we're doing that is because we want to give Canadians this experience, but also we don't want to get big. We're not a hotel. We do not want to lose our distinctiveness, our personalness. Um, You will fall in love with our staff, everyone does. Um, because they're just so amazing and unique. And they truly are like family to us. We always say to them, if you're going to fight, we're going to go home. If you don't get along, we're going to go back home to our kids or family there. We sacrifice that to leave them, to be with you. And if it's not going to be great here, we're leaving. And we've been there seven years, and if God so wills it, we'd love to live there and die there because this is our family away from family, and you will experience their love for us and our love for them very soon when you come. Well, they, if you want to meet Shirley and Daryl Peters, they are going to be at the Charleswood Library on April 24th at 7 p.m. That's at uh, 4910 Roblin. And then on April 25th, Pemina Trails Library at 2724 Pemina Highway. For more information, com. That's spelled D A. S-H-I-R, lodgeandsafaris.com. Daryl and Sherry, what what a pleasure to meet the both of you. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you. Just want you to know our team back home is going to be waiting to hear this broadcast because they get excited too because we're together in this. Well, we'll make sure we'll get it up online as well. It'll be our podcast, Mackling and McGarry on iTunes and Google Play. It is 322 Traffic Weather Sports up next. 3.38 Wednesday afternoon as you... 
Contemplate your drive home if you aren't already doing so. 781-1320 for traffic uh, tips to Shanalee Vidal. 7806868 works as well. Uh, one more thank you to Daryl and Shirley Peters for coming in to Shiro Lodge and Safaris. I don't know about you, Brett, but uh, I, I'm moving Africa, Tanzania up on my list of bucket list locations, and <laughs> I just might go and visit Shirley and uh, Daryl. Their energy is absolutely infectious. Indeed, I. We've had uh, we've had some interesting people in today, so it's been a lot of fun to do that. And uh, speaking of fun. We have some prize stuff to take care of here. First mm-hmm. of all, who was our qualifier uh, for Predator Ridge? It was Mike Creerer, your next chance to qualify for our getaway to Predator Ridge in beautiful Okanagan Valley in British Columbia. Is at 5.15 with Richard and Julie. So congratulations, Mike. You are in the draw to get away. And we can't even list all the things that... Uh, that you're going to be getting in that trip. It's outstanding. You'll want to uh, go to cjob.com and see what it all entails. And we now have two beat the box office tickets to Snake Oil Gets Twisted, featuring Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister. I want to rock! This is happening Monday, June 26th at the Burton Cummings Theatre. Snake Oil is described as the ultimate theatrical tribute to rock's biggest stars, Tickets go on sale Friday morning. We've got two tickets to give away right now. Want to make sure this goes to a fan of the hair metal or the metal of the the general era of the Twisted Sister. But, hey, can you name this song and the band? Greg says this is, if you know your music in this era, then this should be a dead giveaway. 204-780-6868 is the number to call. Lines are now open. Name the song and the band for which that clip uh, we just played. And you are going to see Snake Oil Gets Twisted featuring D. Snyder of Twisted Sister. The number to call, 204-780-6868. Hit it one more time, maestro. Love it. <laughs> That's two days in a row now. I just want to hear the entire song. So I might have to go back to my desk after we get off the air and uh, jam out for a little while. Is that what you did yesterday after I, the rat? I did. <laughs> well I was, done. About, I was about six minutes late uh, getting home yesterday because I had to sit and listen to rat for five minutes. Well, that's the, that's as good a reason as any to be late. Why were you late? I, think I was right. listening to rat. I was listening to rat. What? N- never mind. <laughs> uh, what, what what else were we going to talk about in this uh, in this segment? Well, you know, I don't know, but we can, we were talking about traffic lights earlier. Everything's back to normal, right? In around Polo Park, everything's good, everything's up and running, right? Yeah, they had that up and running about a half hour ago, I think, or if not, a little bit more than that. So, sounds like there there may still be some residual runoff, people backed up or backlogged or what have you, but that should be cleared up. But we were talking about the... Lights that cause you consternation, and we were getting all sorts of text messages uh, from people. And here's a text from somebody named Audrey who says we were referring to Tuxedo at Keniston. Mm -hmm. If you're on Tuxedo and you're trying to get on to Route 90, either way, you're going to look at a long wait time. Audrey has texted us and says, at least Tuxedo has a turn light. Corridon at Keniston has no turn light. Very good point. The reason given when I inquired was nonsense. 
it would take too much time from north and south traffic on Keniston. The light on Keniston is about 25 seconds longer there than at Grant, so it's a bogus reason. Cordon curves west of Keniston, making visibility for a left turn from westbound Cordon to southbound Keniston pretty bad. The lack of a turn signal there totally disregards the enormous amount of development in the south Keniston area in the last 10 to 15 years. Very good point. I think there should be a turn light there as well. And if it adds time to the traffic, well, I guess it would almost be hypocritical for me to say, so what? Because the whole thing that inspired this chat was <laughs> the fact that I had to wait so long to get across the street. But in an in instance like this, I don't know that anybody would have a problem with there being a turn light. It's a busy intersection. And like, look at the the busiest intersection in Winnipeg, isn't it? Uh, region in Lajemodier. I think it is. Can you imagine there not being a turn light there? No, it would be uh, asinine for that to be the situation. <laughs> quite bluntly. And I know that it's probably that's an apples oranges comparison. Of course it is, but you know things change over time. They've added turning lanes over the years. It went from one to two turning lanes and re-engineered the whole thing. Uh, I guess the the. Bottom line for me when it comes to Winnipeg traffic is the fact that we, we've done the best with what we can do in terms of not having freeways and, and interchanges where we ought to have interchanges. And I've always felt that we should have the absolute best traffic signals in the world for a city our size that doesn't have freeways and interchanges at its major intersections. We should have the most synced, the most uh, exact science available for us to keep the, the traffic lights in sync and to have them doing their job to keep traffic moving freely. We were talking to Len Carey when we left here. Mm-hmm. And even in New York City, off the Queensboro Bridge, which connects uh, Queens, surprisingly enough, to Midtown Manhattan, during rush hour, they don't have traffic lights. You know what they have? They have a good old-fashioned police officer directing traffic. And That's we need right. more of those in Winnipeg. If you're not going to invest in a $100 million interchange, maybe we should have traffic cops at some of these busier intersections so that we can fix things in real time. I know we have this traffic center now. I'd like to have a tour of it because I was convinced up until last week that it's doing great things. <laughs> and now Portage Avenue is all messed up again. I don't know what's going on, but uh, we're going to have to <laughs> bug Louis Escobar about that because I, I was convinced things were getting better through Portage and Maine and then it's backed up again. I well, we'll have to find out. Uh, but in the meantime, we must congratulate Jason Samulitis, who has won today's D. Snyder. The the snake oil gets twisted, featuring D. Snyder of Twisted Sister. How did he win such tickets, Brett McGarry? The question was, he had to name the song and band from this clip. And the answer, White Snake, Slow and Easy. Congratulations, Jason. Thank you for participating. Monday, June 26th is when that show is. Burton Cummings Theatre. We have more tickets to give away throughout the week. And we also have more stuff to give away, actually, in a moment, when Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham come in to tee up the news after traffic and weather on 680 CJOB. Every once in a while, I come into some good fortune. Okay. Today, I'm going to share that good fortune with our fifth caller through. 
at 780-6868. Who would like to go and see the Harlem Globetrotters on Sunday at MTS Center? Fifth caller through, 780-6868. Harlem Globetrotters, I don't have more than two, just have two for you. Great seats to see uh, one of the great uh, basketball teams of all time. And I guarantee you, if you play Sports Select and you pick them over the Washington Generals, you will win. I don't know how much money, I don't know what the odds are like, but I guarantee you they will win. <laughs> I'm sure they're on Sports Select, but <laughs> well, anyway. You know, it's shot in the dark. Yeah. Julie Buckingham, Richard Cloutier in studio with us, getting you ready for the news from 4 through 7 o'clock this evening. What's it, going on? It's a busy day. Uh, as suspected, deep down in the provincial budget, they started cutting agencies. And uh, Green Manitoba, just on the eve of Earth Day, uh, has been uh, dissolved by the provincial government. The Minister of Sustainable Development will join us after the 4 o'clock news to explain why. Many agencies were created by the previous government to address a variety of issues. This one uh, tasked with recycling, with policies, etc., my sense is, is that a lot of those duties have been folded into other parts of government, but uh, what sort of tone does this set in? And with the news about David Asper being nominated to be chair of the Winnipeg Police Board, we'll ask the president of the Winnipeg Police Association what he thinks of that. Asper, one of the key people that uh, got David Milgard out, he's got very pronounced views on authority and policing. We'll get the view of the head of the Winnipeg Police Association about that. And on the on the lighter side, head coach of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Mike O'Shea, is going to join us to react to his newest Blue Bomber fans that come <laughs> like, from... Mike Great O'Shea, story, isn't it? Mike O'Shea, lighter side. Uh, oh, that, yeah. That doesn't in this necessarily case, go together. In this case, it definitely okay, does. Great. And we'll have him react to uh, their newest fans. From, from San Diego. Yes. And uh, this is probably a little more up. You know, Brett's Alley, but it is the 30th anniversary of The Simpsons. Oh, my goodness. And 30 years. 30 years. Um, <laughs> we should have them take the quiz. <laughs> yeah, yes. So uh, we'll, we'll have Global Nationals Mike Drolet join us to have a little conversation about The Simpsons. And I tracked down a Simpsons quiz. So I hope both of you will, will take it. It's going to go on our 680CJOB Facebook page at 4 o'clock. You can take The Simpsons quiz, find out which character you will be. Ooh, uh, we will yeah. reveal our characters as well as Heather and Loren mm-hmm. from Global and Mike Conkin as well. We've all taken the quiz and we are all different characters. Where, where does one take this quiz? Uh, On know. our CJOB Facebook page yes. at four o'clock. The link will be there. We'd love you to take it. Or, That's seven or I'll just away. Google it right now. I can't wait okay, that it's, long. It's a, well, there's, <laughs> there's many of them. There's many of them. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't bring it with me. Uh, I think it's a Vimeo quiz. A, a Vizio quiz. I don't know. The link is there. I'll, I'll send you the link right now. No, I'm just kidding. I'll wait no, till 4 no, o'clock. I'm sending it right now. <laughs> Bye, Julie. Hurry up. She's running out of the room. <laughs> okay. Hi, so Richard. what do we have to do? <laughs> That's it. Let's just hang on. Do we have any music we can run here? Let's just enjoy this. Three guys here. It's just the three bulls tonight. So uh, one year, eh, for Pallister. That was the uh, anniversary today. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. No problem. What were you doing a week ago? Right now, running around, getting ready for uh, primo. I mean, a year ago. Yeah, Yeah, a year year ago. ago, Right now, primo election coverage. You love election day. 
Is it like the Super Bowl yeah, of uh, news like coverage? The great, yeah, the Great Cup, the Super Bowl, right. that type of thing. Brady so, didn't go to the White House today? Yeah. Oh, God, she's back. Thank goodness. Yeah. Okay, she's so got that I'm, quick? Yeah. Holy man. <laughs> I said it was No wonder you managed to pack so much stuff into your three hours. It, it's because you're a very good worker. That's why. <laughs> How long does it take to do this quiz? Oh, like, like, uh, it's going to take longer than you have. No, it won't. Okay. All right. A couple of decisions. seconds. Make quick decisions. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. You know, no, there's 14 questions now. We got to go. Sorry, Julie. <laughs> we do. Uh, Take we the quiz be and report back later. I appreciate we'll the report effort, though. She to ran you. to the news. Please report back. back. Yes. We will report to uh, you. Trust me. This is a Simpsons quiz. These di- these questions are not difficult. While I'm listening to White Snake, I will do the Simpsons <laughs> quiz <laughs> before I go home. Thanks, Julie. Thank you very much, Julie. I Buckingham. mean this today. I mean this today. I love you. Julie Buckingham and Richard Cloutier teeing up the news from 4 to 7 on 680 CJOB. Congratulations to Terry, who will enjoy the Harlem Globetrotters tickets this Sunday, you said, against the, the Washington Generals? That's what it says on the tickets, so I have I'm a, hoping that's right. I have a feeling it's going to be the Generals. They're, I think they're due. Oh, they're beyond due, Brett, but uh, <laughs> don't uh, calculate that into your sports slot ticket. That's all the time we have for Mackling and McGarry. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. Jeff Forte and Master Control on 680 CJOB.